0: Harden going to sign their extension. But his trade value is not there. And when you hear he been we... paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contracts. What happens contract. next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He will be eligible for a Superbacks next summer. If he resigns signs a new reality, the players are going to move. The players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole money in a life. And
1: because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 million. He, a a he probably could have made a little bit more
0: money this summer in free I agency. Think he could have got a lot more
1: in the offseason. You got a chance to secure the bag. to it, man. No question. Yo, 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 everyone, what is up? It's Rumble Ramble, roster construction, you know what it is. Corbin Ford. I got my friend Steven Bagel on. We're going to break down the James Harden trade from all angles. Very excited to get into this, but first, let's hit y'all with the intro. There it is, y'all. What is happening? Thank you for joining us here today live in a random kind of impromptu live. I hit up, Stephen. I want to say about an hour ago about going live. Is that right? Yeah. Something like that. So here we are. I mean, it felt, it came out of nowhere, much like the James Harden trade came out of nowhere. I literally woke up to it, a little TMI, but got up early in the morning, had to go use the restroom, grabbed my phone, just looked up, and I saw James Harden to the Clippers. And I was like, Wait, what, what? And then, boom, there it is. It moved in silence. Um, but now James Harden is a clipper. He goes to the Los Angeles Clippers along with PJ Tucker and Philip Petrusev. Petrushev, yep. Petrucif. Um Petrucif, There we go. In exchange for Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, KJ Martin, a 2028 unprotected first round pick, two second round picks, a 2029 pick, plus an OKC first. So quite the haul. Um Comparatively so. Um, for James Harden, at the same time, not nearly enough in my opinion. Uh, let me ask you, Steve, what was your first thoughts on this trait? Uh, let's start with James Harden, obviously the Clippers. What would you think for what the Clippers gave up to get James? What was your thoughts?
0: I think given the Clippers' biggest issue the last couple of years that they didn't really have, you know, like that playmaker. Like, yes, they had – a whole slew of wing depth and obviously Kawhi and Paul George, but they, they didn't really have like that lead guard. So that's why I feel like Russell Westbrook was such a revelation for them last year when they got him after he was bought out by the Lakers. Um, And James Harden led the league in assists last year. So f- from terms of the Clippers, I-, I think they got not only, again, a guy you averaged 20 and 10 last year and led the league in assists, but they, they got a uh, position in need, really. I, I'm going to be interested to see how Harden and Russ, you know, how that. Obviously, we've seen that twice before, obviously, in OKC and in Houston. But, you know, it's it's going to be different. They're two completely different types of players than they were last time they played together. So from a Clippers aspect, uh, I think they did well. I will note that it is interesting. I believe it was Shams reported that Daryl and Lawrence Frank wanted to, to get this deal done. It was Steve Ballmer and Josh Harris, the two owners of the team, kind of, you know, called each other and found a way to get this deal done themselves. And, yeah, so from terms of Clippers, I think they did pretty well.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I thought this entire time that if it was going to happen, it would have happened this offseason. I thought that the Clippers would eventually fold, trade Terrence Mann um i and maybe you know more about this than i do i did not understand why he was an untouchable player in this Like, yes, he's a very good role player like a solid guy he makes a lot of lineups work for the clippers but i didn't think he was like i don't know a total on starter it felt like and i know this isn't a perfect comparison but as a lakers fan a couple of years ago when the lakers would hold taylor tucker out of any trades um where it's like yeah we get it he's kind of important to the team understood but like is he so much more important than the potential upgrade that they would be getting. Now, in this case, the upgrade is James Harden. Um, Given that they hold his bread rights, but they can't extend him, it's really, it looks like it could be like a one-year deal. So in that case, no, I'd like to hold on to Terrence Mann. However, um, at the same time, like, would I have been able to keep more of my veteran group? Like, yeah, Marcus Morris, he was already out on the outs with the Clippers since last season. So I get that. But maybe I keep Nick Batum. Maybe, you know, I keep K.J. Martin, who I thought would be really intriguing for the Clippers, maybe a pick or two. I- I'm not sure. But I thought that since they weren't going to move, man, this would kind of linger, meander into, you know, the trade deadline or just before it where finally the 76ers will make a move. But I think James Harden was able to put just enough pressure between missing a flight and showing up and all the impromptu noise that he makes. He does such a good job at this that. Maybe the 76 felt like, okay, we're more open to a move, even if it were the Clippers who said, okay, let's get this thing done.
0: There's two components to this that we need to break down. The first one is I don't think Terrence Mann is exactly untouchable to the Clippers due to who he is as a player. I think it's the fact that the Clippers had to give away everything else. I mean – they had to give up a pick swap to OKC to even be able to move the 2026 20, first because OKC owned it. Mm-hmm. Like, Clippers own nothing from the future. They they have no tradable picks now. They don't. They traded KJ Martin, so sure. They have maybe Bones Highland and maybe Terrence Mann. That's it. I mean, given the fact that Kawhi George. Oh, Ka- Kawhi George. Kawhi, Leonard and Paul what George. What a player
1: combo that would be. <laughs> both would
0: be a great perimeter defender. But both of those guys have player options. They're likely to test free agency. James Harden, again, same thing, going to test free agency. Russell Westbrook on a one-year deal, going to be in free agency. Clippers, yes, I understand pushing all your chips in. Well, this is probably your last shot with Kawhi and Paul George. People don't realize how good Kawhi Leonard was last year. In the 56 games he played after, I think, Christmas or whatever it was, he shot 50-40-90. He was legitimately an all-NBA, let's say, second-teamer. He didn't make it because he ended up missing however many games at the beginning of the year. But I don't think people realize how good Kawhi Leonard was. So I understand pushing all your chips in. Okay, this is our last shot with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and James Harden and Russell Westbrook. But they have nothing in the cupboard anymore. Like, let's say they all hit free agency. They're all going to hit free agency. None of them are going to be extended. I I can't imagine. Um, I don't think any of them are eligible to be extended. I think maybe Kawhi is. But either way, um, you lose one of them. One one of three, there's a good shot you lose. The odds of taking all three of those guys and resigning all them, I I don't think are great. Westbrook Shore, maybe. but between Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George, that's... You gave up your entire future to bank on a year when the Bucks just got Dame, the Celtics just got Drew, the Nuggets look like they might be a dynasty in the making, the Lakers, the Warriors, there's just so many freaking good teams. The Sixers themselves look great under Nick Nurse. There's so many good teams that are contenders. You pushed your chips in. For three expiring contracts that are all, two of them are injury prone, one of them just got two knee surgeries, it's just, it was a very risky proposition. But what I will say is we're not talking enough about P.J. Tucker either. P.J. Tucker is a legitimate starter in the NBA, even at age 37. He's going to be useful. So the fact that, yes, the Clippers had to give up a little bit extra to get Harden, sure, they got P.J. Tucker as well. So, that's what I'm intrigued by. Um Corbin, let me ask you this real quick.
1: Yeah, Sixers,
0: Sixers have a ton of flexibility. And maybe this is a good transition into the Sixers side of the trade now. I like it. But Sixers have about sixty million dollars in cap space next year, potentially more. Because Tyrese Maxey then Suns rookie extension, specifically because of how small his cap holder is next year. It's only $13 million. So you're mm-hmm. gonna and PJ Tucker had a player option. You got off that money. So you now you have even more cap space. So, you're looking at Embiid's 51 ish million. You're looking at Paul Reed's 7.5 million, who I'm sure you could trade if you needed to. You have Jaden Springer's mil, which I believe the deadline is today for them to pick up a fourth year option or not. Yeah, I think so. And then there's one more guy I'm blanking on who it is. Let me pull up the six gap sheet while I'm talking. <laughs> there but, you go. But oh, they- while
1: you do that, I will say the Sixers did waive veteran guard Danny Green to create roster space for the trade. So he's also um Danny Green, who doesn't factor in this aside from being a free agent. Um, that's just a little note that I thought was interesting.
0: And uh Corb I was right there, we all need those three guys. Maxie's cap holder was the fourth guy I was thinking of. Okay. Um, at 13 million dollars. So there's a feasibility. You could trade Springer, you could trade Paul Reed, you could go into the all-season with Justin Bede as maxi, and you're only two guys on the roster mm-hmm. and have sixty plus million dollars to spend. And now they have if they wait till this summer. They are four tradable first. If they make a trade before this the, this year's deadline, for, let's say a Zach Levine on an OG Ananobi, mm-hmm. they have be the first that they could trade. Um, that bad. Clippers 2029 20, swap could end up being the number one pick in the draft. All we know.
1: Oh, oh yeah, I, I think half of those guys who are on the Clippers. I mean, whether it's um, Kawhi, Paul George, definitely. I mean, my in my opinion, more likely Russell Westbrook and James Harden probably retired by that point. I mean, I think they're, they're, they're all
0: reaching out of that point. 2029 20, is. Look, six,
1: six years five. away, and they're all, what, the youngest are Kawhi and Paul George, and they're both, like, 33? Yeah, I, I definitely could see it. I mean, I don't think they're playing to LeBron 39-40. So, yeah, that's so, that's more than likely.
0: Wow. So, anyway, <laughs> going back to my question, mm-hmm. very long path to get there. Let's get it. Uh, Texas have, potentially, they have a 35% max slot plus, plus the room exception has increased in the new CBA. Sixers have all this type of newfound flexibility, all these potentially high-valuable picks that, if they trade for Zach Levine, I'm going to be a little pissed off because I think they could get way better. But Sixers call, let's say, Paul George. Let's say Kawhi and Harden both say, okay, we're staying with the Clippers. Harden, I think, is most likely to stay out of the three, by the way, because he wanted to be on the Clippers specifically because they're the only team that was willing to pay him because C Balmer is the richest owner in sports. True. Let's say let's say Kawhi and Harden in the moratorium we sign right away. You're Paul George's agent. He calls you. Six is offering you a max four year max deal. You could play with Embiid, you could play with Maxi. They'll have $15 million left over to spend on free agents, plus the $9 million room exception, then all minimums. Is that more enticing, or is going back to the Clippers with Harden and Kawhi and PJ Tucker and whatever else they have under contract more enticing?
1: That is interesting.
0: It's a four-year investment. So keep in mind, Tyrese Maxey what, 22, 23? Yeah. While well, Embiid is going to be 30 by next year.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: my, my point is, I think if I'm Paul George, I'm jumping ship.
1: So you think Paul George leaves the Clippers after this season? I'm saying
0: in this scenario, let's say okay. – Let's say, you know, end of the season, Six have $65, $70 million to spend in cap space. They offer Paul George a Max. Who would he rather play for?
1: I mean, that here's is the thing. a lot
0: is predicated on how they do this year, of course.
1: I was going to a big part of that is, is predicated on that. But also, I feel like, okay, is, that, is, this, is this hypothetical suggesting that the 76ers offer him this money and the Clippers do not?
0: No. Or you're saying? Paul George has his option.
1: Okay, if he has his option, I say he stays with the Clippers. I mean, Russ is his good friend. He's there, right? He's a L.A. dude. He's been comfortable there. The Clippers have given him no reason not to instill faith that they would try to make things work. I mean, they've tried to make a roster that's been really good around both him and Kawhi. It's literally been on those two for the most part that they haven't succeeded. So I feel like you go to a spot where that's them. Where you go to Philadelphia, I mean, it, it's. It, I'm not saying that it's a matter of whose team is it, but, like, Embiid is the first and foremost there. Like, you are still the centerpiece with the Clippers. They're kind of doing this around you and Kawhi, you know, and you have people you're comfortable with. I don't know the extent of um, Paul George's relationship with James Harden, but you know what it is of Russell Westbrook. You know what it is of Kawhi Leonard, just what they did to get him over to Los Angeles back in 2020. I just feel like there's a comfort there, you know, and you're about to be in a whole new arena, arena. moving forward. I just feel like there's a lot more there that you can just anchor yourself to where it's like, you go to the East, sure, why not? If they have a disastrous, like, first-round flameout or something like that, then sure. Like, I'm more amenable to the thought of that being the case. But it's like, I don't know. I, I do know, actually. I just feel like he'd probably stay with the Clippers. Um, that's my thought. Unless Philadelphia was, like, so much more enticing. They're still trying to figure it out. I don't think, and maybe this argument that I would make, I don't think they properly figured out how to build around Joel Embiid since they've had him. Like, I think the best roster they had was what? That 2018, 2019 team? And even that wasn't perfect, you know, where you had, you know, Ben Simmons and um, J- Jimmy Butler and J.J. Reddick and Mike Scott, Tobias Harris. You know, like that was somewhat. Why,
0: why was that the best Sixers team? Um, because they had Jimmy
1: Butler
0: playing the wing. That's the true. Sixers, If Sixers get Paul George in between Maxi and Embiid, you have your elite guard, you have your lead wing defender, and you have that reigning MVP.
1: That, that 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 is true. Uh, I want to point out a comment here from Ross Roseman. Sixers got some good defenders. They match up way better with Boston now. In fact, thank you for bringing that up, Ross, because I do want to ask that about, uh, I want to ask about the 76ers specifically to our resident Seventy Sixes ers fan, um, Stephen. here. What does this look like for the 76 We can come back around on that, Paul George. That's a very interesting hypothetical and something we could flesh out a little bit more. But with the initial return that Philadelphia has from this trade, you look at you know, guys like Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, you already see uh, player of the week, Tyrese Max, who's just been great, right? Um, do you think that this is a good, solid group around uh, Joel Embiid, especially when you consider guys that have already been there? I mean, they already had um, Kelly Uber playing well, Tobias Harris is still in the mix. Like, what do you think um, about this 76ers unit as currently constructed? Do you think this will be a long term thing? And if not, you know, what are your thoughts?
0: We keep that talking was a about, lot. Yeah, we, we keep talking about flexibility with the Sixers, and sure, that's great for the future assets. Mm-hmm. Cast space is always theoretical. It's always a thing till it's not a thing. But, I mean, through three games, the, the Sixers have looked good with the, the offense that Nick Nurse is instilling. He's empowering Kelly Oubre to be actually an efficient player. The The biggest question, though, is, and it's exactly what you're asking me, is what is this going to look like at the end of the trade deadline? and I keep thinking about your Lakers squad that had Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James, three max deals, and then like 10 minimums. I think they had Kendrick Nunn and they had um one other guy that wasn't on a minimum. It actually might have been THT. But my point is that team was never able to make trades because they only had max guys and minimum guys. Sixers now have the $17 million Marcus Morris, the $11 million Covington, the $11 million Batum, the $5 million Cork the $4 million General House. They have so many different matching salary options to now pair with those, you know, those valuable Clippers picks. We just talked about that 2029 Clipper swap. Could be whoever's in sixth grade right now, the number one pick in that class, for all we know. I mean, all four of the guys that we keep talking about, Westbrook, Kawhi, Paul, George Harden, they're all going to be retired by then. So, the question is, what move do the Sixers make leading up to the deadline? There's been already speculation about Zach Levine, which I don't think Sixers want to pursue that avenue yet because I think they want to see what they could do with their cap space first. So that brings me to the next guy, which probably costs more than Zach Levine right now in a trade, and that'd be OG Ananobi from the Toronto Raptors. I would love it. Interesting. I would love it, but he's an expiring deal. So same thing. you maintain your cap flexibility. But if you're trading, let's say multiple first OG and Noby, you're resigning him. like you can't. you can't let him walk out of trading multiple first room.
1: That's true. I, I, I here's my thing with OG. I just question the fit. Like you mentioned how good the seven sixes were. Um, that 2018-2019 squad it wasn't that they just had a wing it wasn't just they had a good wing they had a good wing in jim butler who was a great defender a standout defender a very good offensive player and another playmaker as well i feel like og and brings one of those things to the scenario i don't know if he brings the other and i think defensively is what i think he brings better in terms of versatility there but offensively yeah he's a he's a, he's a steady shot maker like a, a, a knockdown standstill shot guy but his creativity in terms of offensive versatility um in addition to the way he distributes the ball or or the lack thereof i do question um and rostos in that pascal will be a sixer which would be interesting i don't know that would be
0: same, same home country as mb the both from cameroon
1: that would be interesting so there's but like connection there. there there is a connection there Wow. But like with that, what, what do you say to that as far as OG not being a good fit with this roster? And then we can go to Pascal if he's even a possibility there.
0: I think you're out of your damn mind, Corbin.
1: <laughs> what?
0: I think <laughs> – You think not have a homerism here? No, it's not a homerism. I, I think it's a it's an OG and an fandom, an infatuation. Um, okay, I that's think OG fair. and an could fit on any roster in the NBA. I mean, any well, – yes. That's mm-hmm. a, Is that what you're asking me?
1: No, 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 no. He'll be a good fit. I just don't think he'll be the, like, like. okay. Is he he's not much of an upgrade? Pieces. There you go. Exactly, yes. OG is a plug-and-play player, like, perfectly, yes. But he's not someone I go, okay, great. Now we're going to catapult us. To... Like, they're right where they were, in my opinion, with OG. That's no disrespect to OG. He's just not bringing any outlier talents, in my mind, that raises 76 up a level. But, no, he's a perfect fit on, like you said, any roster. No, don't get that twisted at all. No, i I just, I, I mean, do, do you like him as an offensive player in
0: that? Yeah, That he is always hurt. that That's obviously an issue. Um, I don't know. Could, what would you say when Toronto won it all with Kawhi? Was OG Ananobi the third best player on that team? I'd say probably not. He probably no, wasn't even fourth.
1: No, I would, yeah, I would, I would, Kyle, Kyle Lowry, Lowry. You had
0: coming. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. he was the best starter there. Then
1: I put Marcus Saul. No, they... He banged with Embiid pretty well. Yeah. And his passing and shot making came in, too.
0: Yeah. so
1: Then I might put Danny Green. Anyway, I'm just kidding. But anyway, yeah. yes. Well,
0: my point is, <laughs> at least Ananobi is something that every NBA team needs. He's a 3 and D wing, and, again, Sixers need that desperately. I mean, who mm-hmm. do they have on the wing right now other than Kelly Oubre? Tobias Harris isn't a wing. He's been playing the wing out of necessity because they started him and PJ Tucker. Daniel now, and she's bailing the rotation <laughs> so that, And yeah. J.D. Springer Same thing bailing the rotation Danny Green as we talked about is let go today. Covington at this point is more of a four Batum at this point is more of a four And Marcus mm-hmm. Morris has always been a four So K.J. Martin is a four He's athletic enough that maybe he can play a little bit on the wing And defend there mm-hmm. But they need to adjust that issue And I don't think Zach Levine And that bloated contract would adjust that issue I think
1: OG and Anobi would. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely, definitely would not at all want Zach Levine there. Like, I mean, mind you, Zach Levine, him of the 51.0 assist fame this past week. Like, shout out to him. But I just, like, well, he would be a missing piece from a scoring perspective on the wing? Absolutely. But defensively, all the other things, probably not. It would be intriguing. Don't but, get it wrong. Mm-hmm. But
0: let me ask you, do they need more offense? Maxi and Embiid, I know it's only a three-game sample size. They're both averaging 30 points a game. Let's say Embiid won back-to-back scoring titles. Let's say he averages is 31. Let's say Maxi averages 24. Kelly Oubre comes off the bench and averages 17. We don't we you need the wing defense. You have Embiid to cover all the big men. You have no perimeter defense right now. You're sure you have the Melton. He helps, but he can't really cover bigger wings either. So I, I think that's really what you're like. I would love if the Sixers took all three of the tradable picks right now and salary match and got Mikhail Bridges. It's not going to happen, but could you imagine Mikhail Bridges would be? He he would put them over the top. You asked me if OG would. I said I don't know. Mikhail Bridges definitely would. A guy like that.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would. I would. I would like Mikael Bridges to fit here for sure. I, I don't. And to answer your question about the offense. I think that on, in theory on paper they have enough. But like I thought that they had a really good roster offensively last season. With James Harden and Tyrese Maxey in the playoffs we saw what happened right like it's it a little tougher you it's hard to play inside out or even involve Embiid as much and, and mind you as a focal point in general it's harder because it does make the floor you know more cramped like it's it's hard to adjust playing out of that but you need in my mind dynamic offensive like creation I think James Harden did a really good job in terms of playing in tandem with Embiid and also having moments where he took over individually, that offensive brilliance that we saw. But he isn't that guy. He hasn't been the James Harden of like, you know, 2016 to 2020 for almost four years now, right? So it came and went. We saw some big games he had in the semifinals against Celtics. And we also saw some big, ga- some big games for the other reason, where he just didn't have it. You know what I mean? So, like, I think that Tyrese Maxey brings a certain element of that in terms of from scratch offensive creation where you could just go get a bucket on your own. Kelly Oubre probably provides that in in spurts right he's feast or famine for sure um and then after that I, I, who else like tobias harris in my mind is not that guy you know mm-hmm. like he you can give him the ball in, you know in a situation that a quick post up a, a catch and shoot like those types of things but not like okay time to get us a bucket we've seen that show before it's not a very good one right and then like who else do you go to for that i, I don't know
0: but i suppose my point is when you have those two guys and beat him maxi I just don't know how big of a need that is to have more shot creation.
1: Well, when the playoffs come and you are more funneled into Embiid and Maxie, then who do you go to? Because we see Embiid every playoff. Like, I get he hasn't performed well in the playoffs, but also, like, he's taken almost entirely out of it. I think Maxie's a very good player. Maxie's taking a step up this season for sure. But we saw him last year, too. Like, defenses focus their attention on the focal points. You have no one else really outside of Embiid and Maxi to consistently bring you offense. So you focus on those two that's all folks It's five, six games. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm more concerned about. Like, I get you to a certain extent, for sure. Um, I just feel like, like, there has to be more. Who's your X factor? Who's your other guy? Are we going to go back to the Tobias Harris wall? Are we looking at um Pat Beverly? <laughs> you know, like, like, who, who is the other person? I'm not saying that they have to be, you know, a consistent guy, that they have to be a big three type of roster construction. But, I definitely – I don't know. I just think we've seen the 76ers formula before of two main guys and a bunch of other very solid ancillary guys, and then those guys fade in the playoffs as everyone else funnels their attention onto the main two, and the 76ers are out by the second round. Um, Ross says that Tobias is good enough for the offense. I don't know.
0: I think Tobias is
1: steady.
0: Here's my thing with Tobias. Tobias Harris is a very efficient player. We've seen him float with 50, 40, 90 in multiple seasons. The issue is you don't want the ball in Tobias Harris's hands a whole lot. And, Corbin, I think that's what you're getting at. I think that's where you and Ross in the comments, sounds like a great guy, disagree. The fact that um, you're talking about the shot creation. And I, I, I think in terms of just offense, I think Tobias is fine being the third guy. But he may need, you know, a playmaker like Maxi to help him set up that catch and shoot or well, whatever it may be that post stop whatever it may be. Um yeah. but Joel Embiid is what one of the best shot creating centers we've ever seen.
1: I mean, yeah, aside from like a guy called Nikola Jokic, right? Well, like, he, Jokic <laughs> I'm being is more funny.
0: Then he is a shot creator for himself though.
1: I'm being funny, but yes, of yeah. course.
0: Of course. But I'm saying in terms of pure shot creation for themselves Joel Embiid is up there with Hakeem Olajuwon. Wow. So, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm trying Shit. to think of the per- – I think Mikhail Bridges is the perfect example of this, um, of what they need, because I think that would alleviate both our concerns. It will alleviate our need for the 3 and D wing, and it would alleviate your concern of um the shot creation. So I'm trying to think of a guy like that. Zach Levine only addresses the offense – OGN and Obi helps with a little bit of both, but more defensively. I'm trying to think of the next, like Bradley Beal would have been a very good one if he was still on Washington. He's one of the best shot creators there are. So I, I don't know. Right now, I don't see that exact name coming to me of who exactly i are going to trade for. If it's not Levine, I mean, DeMar DeRozan, then he's a little repetitive in the mid-range with Joel Embiid. You're going to have two guys living in the mid-range.
1: That's true. That's true. I, I that's true. I get you. Again, I'm, I'm I, I like Levine as the archetype player. I don't think, especially with the contract he's on, that he would be that big time difference maker that would that would catapult them. But I think he would be a nice, or in my opinion, a better fit per se for what the 76ers might potentially need um, than OG would be. But I definitely um, see where you're coming from with that for sure. I, I guess my last question is which player so far? Let's assume. That the 76ers are keeping everyone they brought in right and that there isn't a flip from that until the trade deadline or later which player in that um package coming back to the 76ers are you most excited to see because in my mind it's probably kj martin like i think that he is that classic tweener with some major hops though shoots a three sort of well from the corners i think he can kind of do some interesting things um playing like before um maybe small ball like five when wells not on the court for a different look, like I wouldn't put Nurse past doing a lineup like that. I just feel like he's in a spot where he can make an impact and be one of those younger players with untapped potential there. Um, but that's a guy I'm, I'm definitely zeroing in on because I was hoping he'd make that impact for the Clippers. Uh, didn't really get enough time to do that, kind of seem inconsistent in the minutes that he did get and his impact. But what player stands out to you for the 76ers in their return?
0: I think the only player that could actually be impactful for the Sixers this year is probably Robert Covington. Maybe that's some of the bias to me, given that we already know what he is in Philly. But I- I'm thinking back on those Embiid, Simmons, J.J. Reddick, Covington, and Dario Saric teams. That five-man lineup dominated teams. Like, do you remember the plus-minus that those starting lineups would have with those five? And then we had to trade Dario and Covington to get Jimmy Butler. That's the only reason we ever trade to Covington. We recently extended him that same season. We did um a renegotiate and extend with him and then traded him to Minnesota because we wanted Jimmy Butler. But again, I can't a three and D big wing, and I know Covington's what he's 34 now, he's older, but I think he's gonna fill in admirably for Peter. Who's gonna be the fifth starter? Let me ask you that. For- Thinking- for the Sixers, you have Embiid, Maxi, Melton, and Tobias. Who's going to be the fifth guy? I put Covington. Okay.
1: I put Covington. I feel like Covington. I mean, you're starting PJ Tucker, right? Like Covington brings you a little bit of what PJ Tucker brings in terms of defense. Like I think, um, actually, I think Covington and PJ. I feel like Covington's probably. I don't know. How would you rate Covington and PJ as, as defenders? Oh, by the way, Ross said that um he would have Morris starting. I, I would give Morris. I mean, Morris might stand out eventually, but like he was just completely out of the clipper's rotation. I don't think he goes like from completely out the rotation to immediately starting for the 76s. I just don't see that. I think, well, I
0: think, the, issue, make, I think the issue with Morris is that him and Tobias are pretty repetitive. They're similar height, similar size, similar games. That's what I think the issue is is more. I think I think Marcus Morris in his prime is a poor man, Tobias Harris. That that's what I think it is.
1: Interesting.
0: I mean yeah. not that older, a man like maybe I mean, middle class. I mean,
1: I'm about to say they're, they're pretty similar. They are they on the same block, yo.
0: <laughs> but but my point is um I already forgot how we ended up oh, on this.
1: Oh, we we're talking about we we're talking about the starting, the the fifth the fifth the fifth player. Yeah, I think, I, I think Covington be. and PJ and are, at, are comparable
0: defensively. If it's not Covington's going to be Patum in terms of how they compare defensively, Covington's more of a team defender. I think PJ Tucker's better man to man. So that's where they differ. I mean, we go. saw during that Denver game last year. They threw PJ Tucker on Jokic, and PJ did. We won that game because PJ, not shut down, there is no shutting down Jokic, mm-hmm. but but we won the game because PJ Tucker was able to slow Jokic down on what he does in the post.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that's true. So, I, in terms of that,
0: I would rather PJ Tucker, but in terms of help defense, weak side rim protection, everything like that, I'm going with Robert Covington. So I think mm-hmm. the combination of Covington and Batum and probably a little bit of KJ Martin at the four, the energizer with Tobias and Kelly Oubre playing the wing, maybe you throw in some Jaden Springer. You probably throw in some Daniel House, like we talked about. And then you have DeAnthony Melton, Pat Bev, and Tyrese Maxey all playing the guard position. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sixers suddenly became one of the deeper teams in the NBA. That's true. And they- as I said, they have those mid-tier salaries. You throw Morris' $17 million and Batum's $11 million to go get a $30 million guy, attach a few picks. I mean, there's just so many avenues and so many more options for them now compared to how they were strapped before with Harden.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the flexibility is the biggest thing, especially for the risky gambit that the 76 are trying to pursue in free agency, um, which will be, we'll see how that looks. But in the short term, no, I think Covington starts. I think that he is somewhat comparable to PJ Tucker defensively, maybe more of a focus, like you said, on team defense, and the man to man. But I think at this stage of his career, I think it's pretty easy to say Covington brings more offensively than PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker was going whole games not taking a shot, right? Covington will, you know, shoot that three. Um, he can attack, close out. He can keep the ball moving. I don't think I see Batum starting. I feel like Batum definitely is at the end of his rope career-wise and still a solid shooter, still a solid passer, but more in that 15 to 20 minute stint. Like if he can do that, kind of, you know, keep things going, come in as a backup for you know play the three once in a while like i think he will be solid um in that capacity um but uh, yeah again i look at kj martin he's bigger than his size uh his athleticism would be something that i think will be a good welcome addition to philadelphia if he can get his three ball kind of consistent that'll be even better but i like him and i think he'll have the opportunity as well and also like imagine him in a maxi pick and roll like hmm. that'd be kind of nice just saying that, that kind of has some potential there but 76ers they're definitely interesting i think they're the more interesting of this trade ironically but let's go to what most people see as the more interesting part of that and that is of course Los Angeles Clippers what does this look like for the Clippers Stephen
0: I think we already touched on it a little bit I think the aspect that you're getting the guy who led the league in assists last year on a team that again Russell Westbrook did alleviate some of the need for the playmaker since last since they signed him after the buyout last year but now you have two elite playmakers with two elite wings and a whole bunch of forwards. I mean, even after they got rid of those three, or those four, actually, in terms of Morris, Covington, Batum, and Martin, they now have PJ Tucker coming off the bench. They have Terrence Mann, who they were initially going to start at the four. Terrence Mann started a game for the started against them in point call last year. And now they said they're going to start in a power forward on opening day before an injury. So I, I still think the Clippers are pretty deep. Obviously, they have Bones Highlands looks like a great um, microwave score off the bench. They had Mason Plumley and Zubach. I mean, this team is still deep. So, yeah, I mean, I- I'm excited to see how it together. Harden and Westbrook do have experience playing together. Uh-huh. So usually I would say that would be my biggest concern in terms of there's only one ball for both of them. But I, I feel like people in Philly media have given Harden a pretty bad rap given the trade request. But people forget how good James Harden I mean, the only reason we went to seven with Boston, I know we lost game six and seven partially due to Harden disappearing, but we never mm-hmm. would have gotten there if we didn't win game one and game three with how well Harden played, dropping 40 points in each of those games, over 40 points in each of those games. And when he averaged 20 and 10 last year the league in assists, Sixers fans wanted him to make the all-star team. They were pissed when he didn't. He was invited to the All-Star team and declined as an injury replacement. They were mad he didn't make All-NBA third team. I mean, James Harden was a good player last year, and people forget that. So if you have a healthy Paul George, healthy Kawhi Leonard and healthy James Harden, how do you say, again, Kawhi Leonard was phenomenal last year. In the Final 15, Kawhi Leonard was a top 10 player in the NBA like he's always been. If those three are healthy, and do you remember how good Kawhi was in the playoff year on those first two games against Phoenix? Yeah. He was unreal.
1: He was unreal. He he, he was. There is no denying the impact that Kawhi letter brings to the table when he's out, right? What? There's no denying the impact that Paul George can bring, right? The problem is that we've had four seasons now of a sample size of going to the postseason with either one or the other or neither when they need it the most.
0: Then let me ask you two questions. My first question is, where do you currently rank the Clippers in the West hierarchy? That's question one. My second question is, if I guarantee you a full bill of health in a playoff run from all those guys, then what do you rank them in the West hierarchy?
1: Yikes. Um, I mean, listen, I probably rank them...
0: I'm pulling up the teams now because I don't feel like thinking of standings. So yeah. Denver, Denver, I still think is a team to beat in the I West. I was gonna say
1: I, I have Denver above them for sure.
0: Okay. What about Golden State? Let's say
1: interesting. Um, they've been interesting. They I think they're interesting, but also I like the Clippers' size, which is ironic because I don't think they have a whole lot of size now. Um, and defensively, you're putting one of I mean you're gonna have to have Steph Curry, Paul, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, and Klay Thompson out there against a the lineup that's gonna have uh Paul George, Kawhi. James Harden. That's just a lot. Um, I mean, you do have Andrew Wiggins and Draymond. Yeah, that's a stacked match. That's interesting. Let me put TBD on that. But right now, I'm going to say I'd probably say the Clippers.
0: Well, I asked two questions. I think I would say knowing what we know about the Clippers never being healthy, I would take Golden State. But if you guaranteed me a full bill of health from all those guys, I would take Golden State. Or I would take the Clippers. Excuse
1: me. Yeah, I I would see that too. Okay, that's fair. I can see that too. Mm -hmm. Phoenix. Listen, I haven't seen Bradley Bill at all this season, so I don't know what he looks like. That back seems troubling. Um, Devin Book's out for a third straight game with his ankle, so it's really Kevin Durant and a bunch of interesting players, but not on the Clippers level, so I would take Clippers.
0: In both scenarios. Even you take the injury risk.
1: Oh, the if they both – if they're both healthy, that's a game and a half. If they're both, like –
0: That was a playoff matchup last year. It was, but they the both
1: day day. juiced up a little bit. The Suns said, okay, we'll get Bradley Bill. The Clippers said, okay, let's go. James Hart. Like – that's interesting. Um, uh, I don't know. I think it's a seven game series. I think it's a tough series. I'm going to go with the Clippers. I like the role players better.
0: And the last one I'll ask is the Lakers. Don't do that. I right, had to do it. <laughs>
1: um, uh, see, the Laker home run me wants to say listen, historically, the Clippers have beaten the Lakers in their head to head matchups. In but so- then at the end of the season, the Lakers go farther than the Clippers do. But if we're talking like full health, like all of that, I'm probably going to go the Clippers. Like I think you that. You going
0: to the Clippers. Huh? But knowing full health, you have to go to the Clippers. I think. But I have to. I, I knowing, would be not. Yeah. Knowing what we know, with the risk of Kawhi and Paul George potentially going down and getting injured again, Kawhi having two knee surgeries in two years, who do you take? Do you take the possibility I'm... of the Clippers, or are you taking the stability and hopefully? What the Lakers are going to provide this
1: well, year. Well, that's the thing. The Lakers don't even have stability right now. Like, we're going through that flux right now of, you know, role players trying to fit in. Darvin Ham trying to work out his 10-man rotation. I'm um, saying, what, what do, you, what do yeah. you
0: anticipate the stability?
1: Ta- of? After Wednesday's matchup, let's answer that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I would probably go and I don't like this, but I would go Clippers like they've had the upper hand over the Lakers the entire time. I think Anthony Davis gets his for sure. I think LeBron makes an impact. But I, I mean, it, it, it remains to be seen about the Lakers role players stepping up. Right. And Austin Reeves right now has not had a great start to the season. Like I'm projecting a lot that everyone for the Lakers ends up being the fully like the fully realized person they were for most of the postseason last year. And right now I can't do that. Plus looking at what a Toy Prince brings or a Kristen Wood brings or a Gabe Vincent brings. You know that I I don't know. So I'm gonna go Clippers for now. No, you know what? Bunk it. I'm gonna go Lakers. We're gonna go Lakers. I'm gonna say it's gonna be a dogfight. Um, so you
0: nationalize the Clippers this whole time and then you say the Lakers just because
1: listen, because it's so in my okay, I'll tell you know what? <laughs> in my mind, it's so close between the two if they're as currently constructed that I might as well go with the team and go with. You know what I mean? Like, if it, like healthy, I think it's, it's a clear, clear, demonstrative favor for the Clippers. But, like, if, if both teams are kind of where they are right now, I don't know. Like, the Clippers have a lot to figure out. They did lose most of their forward depth right now. The Lakers have a lot to figure out as well, um, especially the fact they've been a horrible first-quarter team. But if it's, like, neck and neck like this, I mean, it's a crap shoot. And if
0: that's the case, I might as well go down with the team. I think at full health, the Clippers – just about have the highest ceiling in the NBA. I mean, I don't know. It's tough because I think Milwaukee and Boston... I was going to say, Milwaukee-Boston. It's tough, but yeah. I say, I would say in the West, as good as Denver is, I think they're right there with Denver. In terms of, like, if they're fully healthy, which obviously we know is a huge if. What about the East? Are Sixers a clear number three team in the East right now? Yeah. Okay.
1: Um. Like yeah. I, I think so. Cleveland's intriguing, for sure. The Knicks are there. Um. But... Yeah, I'm looking at Philly. Miami is there-ish. I'm look- Philly, to me, is the third. I think that they were kind of – I think it's like a clear tier between Boston, Milwaukee, and then the Sixers. Yeah. And then, oh, like, yeah. I think that the, the, it's closer between the Sixers and every other team than it is with Boston, Milwaukee, and the Sixers. However, yeah, I, I do think that – um I think that they're the third. And listen, you know, you got some solid role players that could potentially fit well – better alongside Embiid. I mean, they're going to fit better than not having Harden at all, right? Um, and it, at this point, the runway is clear for Tyrese Maxi. Like, and that was kind of a question I would ask you there. I just like, what is kind of finishing on Philly before we kind of close this out? What is the season? I look in your opinion for Embiid and Maxi now.
0: I think Maxey's going to make his first All-Star team.
1: Ooh, I like it.
0: And Joel Embiid has been top three in MVP voting back to back to back years. I'm excited. I mean... Maxi, we didn't really get to see him with the ball in his hands all that much with James Harden there. Because already playing with Embiid, that's a lot with him, obviously his usage and all that. But then when you have the guy with the league in assists too and them just playing a two man game and pick and roll and all, you, we didn't really get to see Maxi. you know, one of the five fastest guys in the NBA going coast to coast, but with the ball, like we never got to see that. I'm excited to see Maxi as a playmaker. I'm excited to see Maxi with the ball in his hands more. And, you know, Nick Nurse giving him the keys to the offense. Uh, I
1: like it. I like uh, it. Mm-hmm.
0: How many – one last question, and then we could wrap up. How yep. many duos in the NBA are better than Embiid and Maxey? Boston, Milwaukee, obviously. The Lakers? Lakers, I'll give. Denver, okay. I'll give. Because they've got yep. it done. Yeah. And I guess um, I'll give it
1: to- you give to who? Clippers. Yeah. So they're top five. No, that's fine. Top five ain't bad at all. Like Top five ain't bad for a do-it-all. Um, and given
0: Maxi's only gotten better, and Embiid also has gotten better still, even as he's turning 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I There's still done. some more
1: upside there. Yeah, uh, particularly on Maxi's part, more so than, than And Embiid's, now again, but... they
0: have the assets to get uh, another deal done. They have the mid tier salaries, they have the picks, and they're going to have the cash space this summer. They have a whole bunch of options.
1: They do? No, that's true. What is the percentage? Oh,
0: We forgot um, about Phoenix, too. Phoenix. And- oh,
1: geez. Well, that's that's not even really a duo. You know, I guess it's a duo of which two of the three will be healthy. You Bradley know? Cole has
0: never played a game for the Suns, so, so.
1: Yeah, so I guess it's, it's, it's Durant and, 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 and um, Booker, and Booker's been injured for most of it, too, so they're in the top ten. I'm going to put Phoenix six, because you never know which two of the three will be healthy at any one time.
0: Well, then I'm putting the Clippers there with them.
1: That's fair, but, but the Clippers at least have given you something this season.
0: It's been three games. I, I mean, Four we're going off been. of a,
1: okay, but I'm saying okay if we're gonna if we're going off you get I what get I'm it. going with. But no, I yeah. get you. I mean, hypothetically speaking, then yeah, I don't know. I guess you're right. Let's let's put them in a tie. Let's put let's put Phillip, um, Phoenix and, and the Clippers in a tie for I don't we know don't, fourth.
0: We, we forgot about Dallas too, Luca and Kyrie. But I think I'd take him a Maxi over them anyway. I probably would as well.
1: I like, I like Luca and Kyrie, but I probably would as well. But um, yeah, last thing before we close out here, do we have any closing thoughts on this? I think um, I'm very intrigued to see the Clippers, um, this, all of a sudden, this in-season tournament is going to look a lot more interesting to me, Um, just seeing how the Clippers roll with this, right? In Philadelphia, I want to see what is in the mind of Darren Moore. Is he going to give this a shot? Is he going to run this through, you know, to mid-season and go okay these guys don't have anything in the in, in the tank like let's make a move is he gonna say hey like and b listen we're just gonna run this through you're gonna let these guys get off the books go into free agency with a boatload of money you know and, and try to make a better move there or try to take the picks that we can try to four round picks in the off-season and try to trade for an impact player like i want to see what more does with the 76ers from this point on because right now it seems like you said this was made for flexibility this was made for depth um, but really, just role players like flexibility financially and then role player depth. But you're not getting an impact player, it's really still on the same two players it was from the beginning, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. So, I just want to see what Philly does moving forward with that group. Um, aside from that, for the Clippers, listen, it's gonna be a lot of fun, but again, who's gonna be healthy? How's it going to work? Um, I've heard Harden. and it's like, oh, the Clippers finally got their point guard. I thought Russ was doing quite well, you know, like I mean, I just thought that was that was decent. So, is Terrence Mann coming off the bench? Is Russ coming off the bench? You know, how is it going to configure? Um, Harden's been used to having the ball in his hands. He's also going to have to play some level of defense, you know, because you're not getting nights off in the West if you thought you were in the East, right? Um, also, what physical fitness is he in? Injuries are almost certainly going to be a factor. There's a lot of questions on both sides, but both teams have gotten a lot more interesting to me. Um, and also, the West, I, I said this before. I wrote a little Facebook article, old school, um, just of all my thoughts in like a dump. And I said, like, it's going to be, a, we already knew it was going to be an utter bloodbath, but we know for a fact, like, it's about to be a whole new ball game. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see every single night. Starting Wednesday, Lakers Clippers, which I am excited about. Even if we probably don't see Harden, it'll still be fun to see um what both squads look like. But I throw to you, Stephen. What are your closing thoughts on this blockbuster deal that we've gotten in the last 24 hours?
0: Closing thoughts so that the Sixers aren't done. As I said, they they do have the flexibility. Like if they wanted to go after like OG and Nobi and Buddy Healed, they could do that now. And they would still maintain their cap flexibility, even though if you're trading all that for OJ and Anobi, you are, you know, you're gonna wanna resign him. Uh maybe a Malcolm Brogdon type, I think, would fit well. But my point is, I, I don't think they're done. I think they're gonna go into the offseason either with flexibility or with a third guy next to and beat So we'll have to see how that plays out
1: going to be definitely interesting to see moving forward i think both teams like i said more exciting a lot more questions i'm sure we'll be reconnecting here very soon steven to kind of talk about the ramifications of this the fallout of it, what further moves philly makes how do the clippers look it'll be a lot of fun um for both of us covering uh the nba at large here but speaking of our coverage uh steven mind telling the folks where they can find you and your work
0: you could find me on twitter at the underscore nba that's nba you could also find me on twitter at Bird you could listen to the Bird Rights Podcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, basically, again, anywhere that podcasts are found. And I just have a new podcast, the One and Done Podcast. You could go listen to that as well. Um, same thing, wherever you get your podcast, I've been interviewing a whole bunch of players, coaches of the college basketball ranks. Um, I just did a really good YouTube interview and an audio interview with old Miss assistant coach Wes Flanagan. That was super insightful. That was a lot of fun. So, yeah, go check out all my work. And, Corbin, I appreciate you for having me on.
1: As always, friend, thank you for coming on and just being able to share your thoughts because I definitely appreciate having someone to bounce it off of. Also, it helps that you are something of a cat specialist yourself and a Philly specialist. Like, it was the perfect mix for a show here. Um, listen, y'all can follow me on Twitter, um, on Instagram, at CorbinMBA C O R. B-A-N-N-B-A. Definitely make sure to check that out if you would. Would definitely appreciate that. Um, Round Ball Ramble is a podcast I do uh, mostly, I'd say, semi-daily? Semi-daily a thing? No. Mo- I'd say weekly. There we go. Several times a week that show comes out. Um, you could also find um, roster Reconstruction, which is more of a, of a tailored um, show on team construction in the NBA, whether it's done through the draft. Free agency trades and it gives discussions like this. So Steven, um, when draft season really rolls around, I'll be having, I'm sure Steven again on and other draft specialists talk about the draft. Um, trade deadline's gonna be big. Um, and that actually will be found but not, not only on its own independent feed, but you can also find it on the swish theory podcast feed. So definitely make sure to check that out there as well. But listen, y'all, this has been another fun one. I'm gonna do a lot more lives like this in the future. Um, hopefully a little more planning in advance on my end. But Steven, thank you again as always for coming on, my friend. I appreciate it. Um for Steven, for myself, we are frosty. Y'all say frosty, and I'll talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.